0: Good morning. I'm Howard Brown, the senior pastor here at Christ Central Church. And um, I didn't know what we were going to talk about last week, but um, I, I think we have something now. Did we dismiss children for Children's Church? Did we do all that? Okay. Okay. They're gone. All right. Um, sorry for these long scripture readings, but in these kind of Old Testament stuff, it's good to get a broader context. And um, I think it's important that you kind of get the Word of God read to you, because I don't think too many of us were in Ezekiel 36 and 37 last week, Um, in our personal reading time. um, I didn't see anybody on Facebook this week said, wow, I read Ezekiel 36, 37, it was great. So we'll read together, you know, to make sure we get the full context of what God is saying in His Word. And um, so anyway, we're going to begin a new sermon series today. Um, entitled A New South Revolution. And after last week's sermon, in which we uncovered the way God uses people to revolt, to do what can be described as a righteous rebellion and insurrection, I felt like it was important to kind of put some gas on that fire, to kind of fan that flame a bit for us. And in doing so, recall and maybe call some of us for the first time to what I believe to be a biblical picture of changing our world through the power of God at work in us and through us. So it is only fitting that we return to another uh, book written in exilic period, written by another prophet, Ezekiel, who, like Daniel, was part of the Babylonian exile of the 6th century B.C. But the difference was that Daniel was taken to the inner courts to hang out with the king and all of them, right? And Ezekiel was outside the gated community of the royalty with just the regular folk. Daniel was creme de la creme. Did I say that right? Ezekiel was de la soul, right? (laughs) If Daniel was the professor, Ezekiel was the preacher with the A on the N. But like Daniel, God spoke to and through Ezekiel. And like Daniel, vivid and sprawling and and awesome visions of how God was going to take care of and deliver and bring glory back to a people who had been taken into exile. Not just because of the world's greed and evil and prejudice, but because God's so-called people had decided that living with God and for God was not as much fun as it looked like the other nations like Babylon was having. It looked like the party was over there, right? And so God gave them a one-way invitation to Babylon so that they may recognize that at a pagan national party like Babylon, Israelites don't get to dance. They serve the drinks and they set up the chairs and they drive Miss Daisy home, right? But God was trying to teach his people something. He wasn't done with them. On the contrary, he was at work with them. And the many years of of exile, God would would, would get through to their hard heads and hard hearts of his people to prepare them to act like they had some sense when they got back home. We pick up probably about halfway into exile here, here in chapters 36 and 37. And God is letting us look onto his es- escantological that means all that future prophecy stuff, cheat sheet, right? Through prophetic messages like Ezekiel, we get a glimpse of the answer before the test is over, before the test even starts for some of us. and What, what does God have planned for his people as they return home to Israel, back to the south? but a south as they would return to uh, some 70 years later with a new empire, that south would be a new south. God was going to bring to pass a new south revolution, if you will. One in which preservation and living in and for the past was not an option. Because cause they would return, understand, to a city and a place of worship in the temple that would be desolate and unoccupied. They, they left in color and returned in black and white. Rightly, it would have looked like a battle zone or a slum or a ghetto. The roofs were falling in the old church, the temple. You've seen those signs when the church is empty. Have a few of the letters, you can tell. Maybe they had a worship service back in 1985. Just a few little letters on the marquee. Just some kids hanging on the outside. Bunch of dogs running around. Lots of cats and plenty of rats, right? And then in chapter 37, I have to explain... In chapter 36, after explaining how God would restore and return his people to bring restoration to their motherland, in chapter 37, the Lord leads dreamy Ezekiel out to a valley. But this was no ordinary valley. This was a valley of death. A battlefield. And from the vision, the bones are, are sitting on top of the soil. No one has cared to give them a proper burial. They have been forgotten. And so much ignorant time has passed by that the Bible describes these bones as dry. No skin, nothing. And God asks Ezekiel a question. Ezekiel, can these bones live? Emphasis on These, right? Not just any bones, these bones. Because it made Ezekiel think these bones. You mean the dry ones? The forgotten ones? The desolated ones? Not just some ordinary bones, but but these bones that are here because of judgment. That that should and deserve to be here. You mean these bones? The ones of people who have disobeyed you and, and turned their back on you. These bones, Lord? The ones that probably stood in defiance to you and failed to bend a bony knee to you, these bones? And Ezekiel's answer to the Lord of life and the Lord, the judge that has allowed this calamity to come upon his people because of their hard heartedness is therefore, what is the answer? Only you know, Lord. In other words, only you have the power and the right and the justice and the mercy to make these bones live. As if any bones could really get up and live, as you would expect it. But if any can, especially these, only you can, Lord. And he asked Ezekiel to speak to the bones, to prophesy to the bones, to speak god's truth to the bones to preach to the bones so he speaks to the bones and the bones start coming together like that skit on sesame street or okay maybe it was electric company or something right and the bones start dancing around and the hip bone connects to the thigh bone you, you know that song And, and you get, and, and then these skeletons get skins and, skin and bones, right? The, the lost arc final scene re-round and, and life comes back to these bones. And, and just when it looked like it was done, God decides to make more than a, than a puppet of, of bones. He gives them new life and heart and spirit and will and desire. And by doing so, God has made his point to Ezekiel and to his people. And now to us, the dry bones, the desolate lands, they're what their past had brought them. This was a result of a place that became idolatrous and haughty. And jealous of what others had. This was a place that collapsed under its arrogant pride against their Savior God. But God was going to make a new south. And these were new people descendant from this place. A a restored people who now would be made alive and, and would be made new and would be about restoration. This is a prophetic message of direction, of vision, of empowerment, of hope for this age, in our age, in our New South, right here in Charlotte, for this church and of course other cities and other churches. We are called to, by the word, by the transforming gospel, to be revolutionary, to be revived, to be restored by God as God's people to bring restoration. Restoration. Restoration to a place. When I say place, I mean a city to its structures to its neighborhoods to its businesses to its history to its comp- to, to whatever companies there to a house to stuff to things to institutions look with me at verse 24 in chapter 36 it says, for I will take you out of the nations. I will gather you from all the countries and bring you back into your own land. And then verse 33, this is what the so- sovereign Lord says. On the day I will cleanse you from all your sins. I will resettle your towns and the ruins will be rebuilt. The picture is God's people are scattered. And God is calling them or, or rather will call and, and bring them back to a place. And all that comes with it, right? Back to its sordid history. Back to its brokenness. Back to its barrenness and ruin and isolation and sufferings and disunity and even its lack of form. And you and I now, right now, have been called to go and be there in this place and to its places. Some have gone to the banks. The neighborhoods that are fragile. To notas, right? Which in Spanish, according to Cindy, means not enough, right? <laughs> to broke down, once rat infested, used to be a brothel, triple X theater, neighborhood theater, right? Oh. To the Matthews. Nothing but country not so long ago. But some of y'all went there and started the church and community that started the church and community that started our church and community out of Matthews to the Midwoods. Represent? No. What's the Midwood sign in there? Okay. To the Stone Havens and the Commonwealths and the Cotswolds, and the Davidsons, and the Concord, is that how you say it? I'm not from here, y'all. And to Charlotte. And all the people and place and things associated with them, right? Their industries, their philanthropies, their civic structures, their professions. To be something in a place, about the place. To cheer for the local team. To associate yourself with NASCAR. Take your shirt off and swing it around, you know? (laughs) To be there. And when we look at how the landscape... Or be a chaplain to NASCAR team. Hey, Bob. (laughs) He don't take his shirt off. That's okay. Joe Gibbs Racing and all that. I understand. But there's a group of us who want to go out there and take our shirt off and drink that thing with the ribbon on the front. Nope, let me move on. And when we look at how the landscape will change, we realize that when God calls a people to a place, he calls them to every place within the place. From the outhouse to the penthouse, right? From the B of A, this ain't going to go right, to the wind days, Right? <laughs> I grew up in the 80s rap, okay? I grew up in the 80s rap. I'm old school, fat shoelaces and all, y'all, y'all. Some of y'all young bucks don't know about that. Anyway, but think about it this way, right? God has called us here in Charlotte as a place. Not because of something you have done, not because Pastor Brown has put the master plan in place, right? No, because this is the master's plan. God has called. And it's being fulfilled prophetically that people of God would be about and in and with and on a place. So, so what that means is that the job you have, the neighborhood you are in, the church community, the civic communities, or the commitment even to be at home with the kids or, or that job that makes you put a tie on or a pin with your name on it, whether you're saying, may I take your order or giving the orders, right? Whether you're taking a course in school or college or out on the course trying to make a deal, the place and your place in the place is a calling from God, Some of us just existing, right? We just doing our nine to five thing, you know, just, just trying to make a living and and moving and selling and buying without clarity on what that actually means. In the PCA, you can't get ordained without a calling. You gotta be going someplace where I just feel called. Where you going? I don't know. Just give me the ordination. It don't work like that. Where are you going? I just want to be a pastor, you know, just sort of floating around. It don't work like that. Let me see the paper and the place and the people you call to. They, they got to give us some kind of information. You have to be going somewhere to a place. Let me be careful and not so careful here. So that's, that's being safe. He did say he was being not too careful. Okay, but... God has ordained you guys. for charismatic brothers, he's anointed you. You got the anointing. <laughs> to be who you are, where you are. God put you there. He gave you entry there. He is, verse 24 says, he took you or brought you there to be who you are and where you are, to be in the place you're tr- To be in the place that you are. How did R.E.M. put it? To stand, right? In the place where you live. Right here. Right here. In the New South. And God makes makes that real clear here, right? That jobs and homes and communities and positions and time and space you occupy or find yourself in is not just or, or most according to what the scripture implies, not at all about you. It is you, but it's not necessarily about you. Look at, look at verse 32. It says here, I want you to know <laughs> that I'm not doing this for your sake, declares the sovereign Lord. Be ashamed and disgrace for your conduct, O house of Israel. Then it says in verse 36, then the nations around you that remain will know that I, the Lord, have rebuilt what was destroyed and have replanted what was desolate. I, the Lord, have spoken, and I will do it. Subject subject of these sentences is, is, is pretty clear. The work of the it's about the work of the Lord himself. You. Now, but definitely by the hands and lives and work of the people, God is calling us to bring restoration to our city. To the place, to this place, to our place, for His glory. Which just happens to be good for the place and the people in the place, right? I mean, look at what God is going to, going to and, and calling us to participate in. To make the place productive again. To, as the Bible says here, make it a garden of Eden again. To, to restore the place with beauty and ingenuity and occupation. To bring life to where there was none. To, to go where it is ruined and unfriendly and inhumane and desolate and laid waste. And, and fortify and rebuild it and raise and bring new families and generations to it. To restore it. I've seen the work of restoration from you guys. I've seen and experienced How some of you go into certain neighborhoods, right? Forgotten and desolate places. Sometimes you give your address where you live. So-and-so street. You live over there? You know? I'm not from this city. I didn't know any better. Well, let me tell you. Some of you have gone to forgotten and desolate places. You fix things up. You brought light to the corner, literally, you know, you got stop signs and speed bumps put in. So people aren't doing 60 down the street, right? And I've heard how many of you have been retained, praise the Lord, to keep working in the banking industry. And literally, some of you are part of restoring and rebuilding fidelity and strength to the financial industry. To work in the school district. Need I say more? restoration. Some of you, you make a place in a place, right? It isn't here. I'm going to make one out of something, right? You're entrepreneurs and, 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 and started businesses and nonprofits. I've seen how some of you have brought color to a canvas or shape to nothing to make art and music out of what can't on its own. Even in this church, 18th and 19th century hymns left behind by modern movements in the church have been brought back to life. Y'all care about old stuff, and forgotten communities, and overlooked people, and abuse things and abuse industry. You you care about green, right? Being green, but you also care about brown, black, yellow, red, and white. Praise the Lord. By command and observation, let me say, where there is no arts, bring arts. Where there is no dignity, you bring dignity. Where there isn't diversity, some of y'all adopt diversity, right? Some of you make diversity. Where there is pain, you provide anesthesia. Where it is suburban, And cut off. You know, you bring connection and and community and realness and relationship. For some of you, where where, where the numbers don't add up, budget. Where the business is slow, sell something, right? Where it is rich and tight and high, bring freedom and peace and love. And God, once again, makes it clear about what his restoration means and what it is designed to do. Look in chapter 36 with me again. We read this verse earlier. It's kind of a sobering verse. But look between verses 30 and 32. I will increase the fruit of the trees and the crops of the fields so that you would no longer suffer disgrace among the nations. Excuse me, because of famine. Then... You will remember your evil ways and wicked deeds and you will loathe yourselves for your sins and detestable practices. I want you to know that I am not doing this for your sake, declares the sovereign Lord. Be ashamed and disgraced for your conduct, O house of Israel. And then back to 36, Then the nations around you that remain will know that I, the Lord, have rebuilt what was destroyed and have replanted what was desolate. I, the Lord, have spoken, and I will do it. This is what the sovereign Lord says. Once again, I will yield to the plea of the house of Israel. I will make their people as numerous as sheep, as numerous as the flocks for offerings as Israel, doing her appointed feasts. So will the ruined cities be filled with flocks of people. Then they will know that I am the Lord. Saying this, God has called you and me to be restorers of the New South, to dig and plant and till and paint, and construct, and even knock down some stuff, right? I can't believe the Charleston in me does not believe in knocking anything down. But to to knock down some stuff, to to make it safe, and clear, and efficient, and beautiful. Why? How, How can I put it? To actually go in and reverse, and fix, and heal the effects of the fall. To, to, to counter the effect that sin and desolation of ignorance and greed and fear has had on a place and on a people. To bring revolution and revitalization and hope again to stuff, to places, to institutions, to professions, to academia and all the people involved. We are called to through restoration get and give people, you and me included, Entry into discussion and community and redemption. To talk and be informed and in what God really emphasizes here, to be made conscious of and, and convicted about injustices of sin in this place, in this city, of, of, to be convicted of, of law breaking, to have slumlords and execs be convicted. And that might be some of us. To be challenged. In our lack of mercy and justice to, to bring light, to bring to light the sins of our fathers that brought separation and built the railroad tracks that divided us and kept hatred between us to, as verse 30 says, to let restoration dig up what has been covered over, but was responsible for splitting and destroying a city and a people in this place. To clear the way of injustice and desolation and loneliness and all kind of junk we've done and sin and ungodliness and even clear the way of affordable and viable veneers and cover-ups of granite and stainless steel and brick so that people can be seen and loved. And find dignity. But as the scripture says here in verse 38. 38, So most importantly that they would know the Lord. And it is only. Because God's people. You and me. Have been called and restored by God themselves. I mean. Look at the context of all of this good stuff that God will do through his people. Verse 24 again. For I will take you out of the nations. I will gather you from all the countries and bring you back into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean and I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove you, remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. You will live in the land I gave your forefathers. You will be my people and I will be your God. And then, of course, we have the dry bones of the valley in chapter 37. Those bones are the bones of God's people who were once at war with him or in the world alone without him and lost and suffered death and irreverent, and impotence and destruction who are dirty and need to be cleansed and who need a new heart. And what you see here is God is calling people whose lives were left behind to, as dry bones, disgrace, even victims of the desolation of the place they know and they now return to. These bones? These are the bones of the oppressors. Or at least the descendants of the oppressors. They were the oppressed and the enslaved. They were the overlooked and marginalized in that place. They were the arrogant and hateful of that place. These dry bones are in a battlefield of of God's judgment and mankind's sin that said they, these were part of and, and played a part and suffered in the desolation. And now for God's glory, His grace and mercy and redemption will overcome their indicting and condemning stories. God will and has restored them. God has restored them. He's given them a new story. He set a new trajectory of their history because now they have a heart of flesh and God's spirit at work in them. These bones brought back to life. These people returning home who are sprinkled with water and giving a new heart are you and me. The people of God called His. With that in mind, I want you to make a distinction here. Because I know it's real popular now. To go into the city, to fix things up. You know what they call that? Gentrification, right? Gentrification. I'm not trying to start nothing. You are restorers, not gentrifiers. Not gentrifiers. In the strictest sense of the word, it won't work for most of us anyway. Because you don't have the name or the pedigree or the money or the sheer power of high-leveled relationship like God's people returning from exile. Some of you are barely holding it together. You are the people trusting in a dream. You're the people trusting in a vision of hope. We have no worldly power for history to fall upon. As a matter of fact, most of you are recoverers and survivors, barely existing. Most of us are people who didn't matter. And on the other side... Some of us were captives and citizens of the lifestyle of the rich and famous of the ethics of the gentry. So we are not called to be gentrifiers because we don't move or act based on our own power or our own history or our own money. On the contrary, we are and are called to be redeemers and restorers because we move and live and survive and are only because of the power and name and grace and work of the Lord. Stop thinking of yourselves as gentrifiers. It's too low. It ain't good enough for what God is calling you to be about. Even if you are gentry, stop thinking of yourself as, oh, we just the urban cool folk. You know, we just taking advantage of a low-priced city. It's time to re and refocus your, your efforts and your work and your sense of being and your strength, whether you're uptown or around the town or outside of the town. You are redemptors and reformers of the New South here in Charlotte and its surrounding communities. Only because your Redeemer God lives and makes you live. You restore and revitalize because your God is the God of restoration and revitalization in your life. My dad grew up in Charleston. Born and raised there, out in the country, down in Rantos. Never left Charleston, South Carolina, for those of you from different parts of the country. He can even show you the plantation our ancestors lived on. On much of his tour, he tells what can be described as sordid stories of the South from the black man perspective, Right? of slavery and racism, but also of beauty, the beauty of what was built and rebuilt. And on part of the tour, um, he, he will show you a parking lot that used to be part of the parking lot of Bishop England Catholic High School. And now underneath that beautiful black asphalt, laid and still lay the bodies of black people. Who weren't who weren't worth being exhumed and reburied? Whose headstones lifted up off the ground were arbitrarily just thrown into a poor graveyard somewhere. And for the tombstones that didn't make the careless trip, many of those were turned into nice marble walkways leading out of the big homes to the garages and garden homes. All you have to do is turn it over. Many returned and mashed and crushed into concrete mixtures. And to this day, no repentance. No recognition. But this is the new South, right? Because God has called my dad to a place, to a desolate place. To call out injustice and evil. But through his calling as a tour guide like his, to restory the story. To be used by God to be a prophetic voice, to to speak truth and with it bring dignity to all that wants to be preserved and covered up. To call those dry forgotten bones to new life as a descendant of the mistreated and abused. To, To retell with sorrow and pride to bring life and new vision to what was forgotten and desolate as a restored son of the broken south himself. The Lord Jesus came, as the Bible describes him, as the Son of Man. As Ezekiel was even referred to, it's called that the Valley of Dry Bones, our Lord Jesus came to our place south of his dwelling right to our desolation and convicted and called out our sin and our disease sense of community and then called forth with the powerful life-giving spirit-filling message of the gospel he called us you and me out of the valley of death into the new life of his restoration god is calling people you Some from the south and some not. But you who are all in some way descendants of oppression, who are familiar and and tied to heritages and personal histories of hate and sorrow and all kinds of abuse and sin and pain and rejection. Some of you are are being driven to success or, or dying to be accepted. You are descendants of slaves of sin and spiritually impoverished. And some of you are descendants of the powerful and oppressive. You who are descendants of a race of shame and a race of pride. Who were dry bones and desolate in their sin. God has called you. God is calling you. Some of you don't even know Christ. And he may be calling your dry bones. He he may be calling you by the, the revolutionary power of his gospel like he did those bones to be sprinkled by his cleansing blood and given a new heart to be the revolutionary people of the restoration through the power and grace of Jesus Christ. This prophecy of the New South Revolution this restoring of God's love for sinners and a sinful place lives true and rings true today, right here at Christ Central Church, and right here in and for you. The revolution of a new South has begun. And thank God through Jesus Christ the restoration of all that was broken and is broken begins now. It begins today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, when we see the place where we are and the places you've called us to, So discouraging. It can be so hard. Lord, we want to be greedy. We want to take advantage sometimes. Help us. Like you did your people, Israel, as they return home. Speak to our hearts the truth of the gospel. Give us new hearts. Give us new minds. Give us a new call. Help us to embrace and be embraced by the restoration that you provided and called us to through Jesus Christ. This we pray in his name. Amen.